0: Favorite beer is my Kentucky bourbon ale. If I had to pick one, is Big Pun Capital Punishment. Mom Dukes is arroz con pollo con habichuela guisado.
1: podcast and we're back we're in the midst of the second season uh more great guests a a decent host but we definitely talk music beer and food not in that order i kind of messed that up you think that after 52 episodes i would have been able to get that right you know what it is for those who've been here before that you know rundown is brews beats and eats we talk to a guest we get to know the guest and then we have them taste four different beers Give us their thoughts on them. And then we talk music, musical influences. And then we'll talk that food, the food that they, can, they can't live without, the food that means the most to them. And then we might even ask them whether they get busy in the kitchen themselves. Um, that's for the people who've been here before. That's a long-ass explanation if you've been here before. But for the people who are coming in for the first time, there you go. <laughs> Y'all got the explanation. <laughs> but without a doubt, you know, I'm not going to prolong it anymore. Y'all know what it is. It's season two. Uh, we're back in the grind. We're doing things a little different this year. And, uh, and we're looking forward to new experiences. Y'all stay tuned. Make sure you get on YouTube. Subscribe. We got that one monthly video popping off every month. That would make it monthly. So I got that one video. And then it always goes over into Spotify and all the other streaming platforms as well. This, this particular occasion, I'm joined by a, a rapper, a producer, and a, a motivator. He's, he's the secret weapon, as he's known in some circles. Uh, he's part of the Common Ground Collective. And uh, without any more hesitation, man, by way of Brooklyn, down in Miami, we got nobody else but Agony in the house. What's up, Agony?
0: what's going on man i think that's one of the better intros i've ever had in my existence man that was dope
1: yeah. okay all right so that i'm gonna start a chart and i am gonna be like i right, i'm gonna add agony to that column <laughs> Nah, but but well deserved bro well deserved um I, I mean i could get into your music but before we get into your music um i'd like to give the, the the listeners a chance um to get to know agony and and how agony got into music to begin with so if you can give us a you know, a rundown of how, you know, the earliest memories of music and the influence of it.
0: So, I mean, I was always a fan of music. I mean, even as a kid, you know, there was there was certain songs that that I gravitated to. And, you know, back then, uh, for those that don't remember, like, you know, to, to, to be able to listen to a song that you like, you had to have your your cassette deck. On record and on pause, listening to the radio station, and once you heard that song start, you had to unpause it and and record it for yourself. That way, you could listen to it again later on. And you know, definitely grew up for the first ten years of my life in in Brooklyn, left a nice little little mark on me. And and you know, listening to the likes of people like KRS One and uh, Run DMC, LL Cool J, you know, that were hitting big right around then, Big Daddy Kane and stuff like that. And then when I moved out here, uh, still kept listening to stuff and I mean even back then as a kid like I, I used to be a little I guess in addition to you know your two live crews and and mm-hmm. boys to men you know I used to listen to some Def Leppard and Guns N' Roses and Bon Jovi and Poison and and then once it was it was probably once I got into 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 like my high school years that I like I really started gravitating more towards towards hip-hop I want to say like late uh, middle school early high school is when I really started you know, getting into getting into hip hop that, you know, with all the mixtapes that were going around, you know, um, Crazy's mixtapes were going around, mm. um, EFN's mixtapes were going around. Then we also used to grab stuff from like DJ Clue, Doo Wop, um, Tony Touch, um, a few others that, you know, that, that were all going around and and then just, you know, just became just part of, you know, your identity, you know. So that's that's how music is kind of been around me, per se.
1: Dope. Yeah, you mentioned some of, some staple mixtapes um, from from within the home base and then beyond. Um, definitely EFN uh, craze. Active uh, active in creating what we've come to know as the hip hop scene down here. Um, and and then on to like Tony Touch. Were you a fan of the uh, the Power Ciphers, the Fifty MCs deep?
0: Yeah, man. When when they when he dropped that one, it was that was that was just classic because I mean you you, the the way you looked at it it was like all right for you to make make a Tony Touch mixtape and he's making it his point to be like all right this is uh, a 50 MCs by nature it wasn't just all right just any random 50 either like you know there are plenty of people would have done whatever they had to do to get on Tony Touch's mixtape so you know you knew when when it was just 50 that it was still going to be
1: a hot 50 Mm -hmm. so yeah it, it was dope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Like, yeah, yeah you're saying um, you could have, you could have gathered 50 dudes from the neighborhood that were all willing to spit on your mixtape. Um, The fact that you brought in the talent that you did, you know, what I'm saying the star power, the, the quality of MC that you did, that that was no no small feat. And I think that's what kind of made it uh, kind of in, in endeared us to it. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So g- growing up in Brooklyn, um, you touched on a little bit on Run DMC. <clears throat> and uh one then moving down south you talked about the early influences here um I-, I know it was personally speaking i came from up north and uh came down and it was it was quite a bit of the culture shock and uh um, right. and i don't right. know if it's the same for you but, but did did hip hop kind of create like a a welcoming habitat going from up north to coming down this way
0: i mean it it did because it it kind of cuz one of the one of the things that i say like for example it was it was a culture shock from 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 different perspectives right so the the first culture shock that i had is that you know when when we decided to move to miami i was i was gung ho i was like hell yeah cuz everything that i had coming out here was all vacation memories so we come down here it was mm. you know going out to restaurants it was going to the pool palm trees you know and and back then we're talking you know late 80s you know miami was also a different environment in general the people were really nice to each other and pleasant it was just like a totally different vibe yeah and then so when when we decided to move I was down for it my my biggest memory my first culture shock was the fact that nobody played outside at least not in not where I grew up here in Kendall so I remember vividly going outside and I took out my wiffle ball bat my wiffle balls and I grabbed my stuff and I was like I'm gonna go outside and play and I could still see myself looking up and down the block and not seeing a single kid or a single person outside. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, something's, where's everybody? You know, cause in New York, that's when you went to play, you just went outside and everybody was hanging on the block. So that was, that was one culture shock that I had, you know, And from a music perspective, you know, you, you get into the, the different genres. And, and back then, you know, it was a lot, it was different. You had that Miami bass hitting hard, that booty music, which, you know, I was a fan of because it was, it was fun. But it wasn't something that I could really just sit back and and like vibe to, you know, and that's yeah. and that's where hip hop came in. And, you know, and, and listening to hip hop and reminiscing and everything like that, it it did kind of help with that transition because it did help it feel more like at least connect me back to to where I was from since I had just you know, recently um, moved out here.
1: Yeah. You know, so and it's, it's it's bugged out that you're, you're describing a situation that kind of leads me into the next question. You step outside, you want to go play with people, um, anybody in the neighborhood, nobody's out there. And that's because the South Florida weather in the summertime is brutal. So the kids don't even spend that much time out there. But um, the other thing that you, it's hard to amass as far as being able to play with people outside is also finding a scene. That kind of fits your vibe when it comes to music, um you got into you got you got into to rhyming by by which means like did you was it just uh you seeing what you, you know taking in what you saw on t v and then making it your own, or was there kids that you fi- came across that introduced you to it
0: so there's there's a few factors there right so like i said when when I started getting into high school you know, it was um that, that's, it was really starting to to become more of like that specific genre for me um more so than than any other music that I would listen to, okay. and and there was another there was another guy from from Brooklyn um in in Bay Ridge that uh, goes by the name of Kenny Dope, um he's gone on to do some some big things himself. But at the Music Center on Fifth Avenue, they used to have uh, his mixtapes, and he had a bunch of different mixtapes. He had like for lovers only, he had the the dance hall mixtapes, and then he had his hip hop mixtapes. So I would always go to New York and and pick up whatever the latest and greatest was, and bring him back. And kind of feed that, you know, to to the heads down here. Okay. And then and then as we kind of grew into that, there was um me and North were already, you know, hanging out with each other. And on his block, um, down the street, there was a crew that back then used to go by mundi Dialect. And it was with this dude Addiac, which now he's part of um Nature's Fury, and he's still doing his thing. I was actually talking with him the other day, reminiscing. And and they were into they had some things going so they had the DJ set up but I think it was DJ Triste that was rolling with them mm-hmm. and um you know we started seeing them do stuff and more than anything he really he really touched North with it and and North was came to me one day and he was just like yo like I think we should rap and believe it or not that's exactly all it took and I was like alright fine you know and I for anybody that's listened to to the Common Ground audio documentary you know we we kind of go into like this more in depth so um but you know we there was a back then Tribe Called Quest had just dropped an album uh Midnight Marauders and I forgot which song it was that I that I you know was listening to the song and I, and I wrote down the lyrics and I called him back and I was like yo check out this rap that I wrote and he was like yo that's bananas and I was like nah I'm just I'm just messing with you you know what I'm saying but but then after that we we just between him and I we kind of started feeding off each other like you know we we'd write raps in class and then in between class we'd we'd like exchange papers and be like yo this is what I wrote let me see what you wrote yeah and then it it all just kind of started started from there just just writing just writing because we didn't even have beats at that point or anything to record on or anything it was really just like my my uh, foundation came off of pen and paper you know unlike you know like kids these days like my son for example he's he's starting to get into music like he he transitioned instantly from being able to go online download beats and and record it into uh and in, here at the studio at the house like we didn't have studios for for decades like we started with pen and paper strictly just with lyrics and then built into you know cyphers and then after cyphers we built into meeting producers and, and getting into the studios. so that's kind of how how we evolved
1: yeah no definitely that uh there's a a dark a stark contrast between then and now. Where back then, like you said, you took your time, you wrote your rhymes in a book, you memorized them, and then it was it was in the hopes of maybe finding yourself in a situation where somebody said they knew somebody, and then they allowed y'all to come in and record something in the studio. And even then it was like, that wasn't, that didn't happen because Cass was trying to make their money off of their business. So they wanted to charge people for an hour or two worth of studio time as opposed to somebody just going into their bedroom, opening up the laptop and running the program. It's, it's wild. Yep. Absolutely. It's wild. It's wild. So from the point where, okay, so you're, you and North are going back and forth with these rhymes between class. And you, so you guys were motivating each other sharpening each other's talents but at the same time being cohesive you got you remember the first time or what was the first time where you guys said all right let's let's put ourselves in a spot where we could record something and see how it sounds coming off of like a, a tape or a cd
0: um i mean if if we got to look at the first time it was there was a another friend of mine that used to live around my mom's house his name was pablo and he he had a dj setup he wasn't a dj just he just had a dj set up and with a tape deck and everything and and so he we would get some instrumentals um uh specifically like uh there was a, a song called paparazzi i 'm forgetting the name of the artist at this it's point, it's but
1: exhibit there you go yeah.
0: and and yo, we just had that just on replay, and you know he had a mic, and we turned on the instrumental and we put a cassette tape in and we'll report our we report ourselves freestyling or, or trying to do you know something to it like that's that 's kind of how wherever we could get it we would um after that the the closest thing I got to to doing something else was with one of my ex girls' cousins that um used to live out out here in Bradley Park. He ended up like with a four track so we were able to put um an instrumental and he was able to, even able to do some cuts for me and and recorded me on another one okay. again we're not there's no mix down here there's no e q it just it is what it is and yeah. And then that's kind of how like the very first recordings happen, like however we could get ourselves on something to be able to play it back that's that's what we did
1: nice nice yeah that's that's uh that's pretty much uh typical when it comes to uh like you said, not having access to the certain uh capabilities on hand so you kind of maneuver and figure out who you know who's willing to work with you and and then you end up putting something together do you remember who you played that for and then they and what their opinion was
0: um specifically no but I just remember playing it back for heads and mm-hmm. you know anybody everybody was getting excited just just more so because of the fact that you know we were able to listen to something and because you know they're they're used to hearing me live you know and yeah um, but this was like being able to go and, and put a tape in and just push play and listen to it. It was just, a, it didn't matter what it was or how the mix sounded. The fact that, you know, we were able to listen to something was was monumental. You know, it was it was a huge step forward compared to what we have been doing.
1: Yeah, and, and I mean, coming up doing this, you were still in high school when this was, this was happening, right? Correct. So that's the, that alone, it, you know, what, regardless of what the quality or what the effort sounded like, the fact that, uh you guys felt confident enough to to get involved and put this you know commit this to tape and then let people hear it like i'm sure there's waves of cats that was like that they gave you your props just on that alone and absolutely and and i imagine that changed this you know that changed your your stature in high school but that changed the position of things in high school did you have other cats in high school rhyming and you know quite possibly you know getting involved or challenging you guys
0: um, I wouldn't say challenging, but it was, there was definitely other people that were doing their thing. Back then, there was this one guy, uh, Chris, who used to go by Fats, and him and his crew had some things going on. Ray um, uh, which I, I forget what it was that he changed his, his name to at one point that my, people might remember more, but he was doing his thing. Um, I think, honestly, out of, out of all the people that were doing stuff back then, the, the one that, that strikes with me the most was um, was Garcia who back then was severe and because I mean he like I had we we had some stuff like on cassettes to be able to just to play for people that were around us like he he was the one that you know not only was recording but he was able to get himself into a studio um he he got his his tape done with like the cover and the whole nine like I remember looking at that and being like damn like this dude's doing his stuff legit you know mm-hmm. um matter of fact he's, he's he's the one that took me to the to my first ever studio session that he went to go record a song and and I got to experience that for the first time like sitting in an actual studio with the booth and the soundproofing and the mixer and and everything like that but I was just like that I, I was just in awe I was like you know what this is a, I got to find my way to get into one of these you know in the near mm-hmm. future because that was beyond anything that I had ever been able to get my hands on
1: and I imagine at that point you're pretty much soaking it all in so that when you would get that opportunity to do it on you know for yourself like you would take full advantage of the situation right
0: absolutely absolutely
1: so, so let's let's go to that point in time where now you're in a studio and you're working on your stuff um what was was that a particular project
0: so the way that came about is um some dude that i that I used to know who goes by majesty. And you know, he hit he hit me up. He told me he's like, look, um, do you wanna jump in the studio tomorrow? And I was I was like, I, of course, like that's a silly question, you know. So so we went and it was basically he had to connect with um with this guy profile and they had a project they were working on, they needed an MC. So I went I went to Dave the next day and and went to their blue smoke studio and And they were just like, you know, just uh, I was like, so what do you need? And they're like, look, we just have this beat and stuff like that. And so I didn't write anything for it. You know, I just used something that I already had kind of, you know, in the in the in the files, so to speak. And and I and I just I just went for it, you know, and and I remember it was it was the first time that I had really been in that type of setup because I've done I had done recordings like I mentioned, but usually it's just with a mic in your hand and stuff like that. It, It wasn't in a soundproof room with your headphones on and and that's a totally different type of recording when you're listening to yourself as you spit for the first time it it has an impact on your on your delivery that's why I've I've always even said it with singers when somebody's like you know I got this girl this dude that could sing my very my follow-up question is have they ever sang on a microphone in a studio because it's a it's a different animal when you're listening to yourself and um, and I remember just fighting through it, though, because my adrenaline was pumping so hard that I was just so excited to be there. And and from there, that's what sparked the relationship with, with Profile, Rest in Peace, where, you know, we started doing a, literally just a couple tracks. And then, you know, they brought in um, he made the connect with, with ID4, with Shoddy and Littles. And and as they say, the rest is history from there. Everything just just became what, where we're at today. It started from there.
1: So, yeah, um, (laughs) yeah, that pretty much uh, brings me to the next. Well, you answered my next question without even realizing it. So I was going to touch on the common ground, the collective. And you kind of gave us a quick rundown of what it is, um, which is which is a a great thing, because there's an expansive, not an expansive, but there's a library of uh, podcast episodes that they can find on YouTube under the human sushi umbrella. Correct. And you could get the whole story from the words of those that were involved with this collective which are consistent of you and North, uh, Shoddy, Deadshot, and Littles.
0: Correct. So the, the official, and, you know, like, I want to say, like, what well, we try to say I like, guess, like, the founding members or anything. It, it's me, North, um, Shoddy, Littles, Profile. Um, and that's as far as, like, the, like, anybody that was part of music, which means you were either a producer, which was pro- or you were an MC, which were the four of us. Mm-hmm. Um, then you have, you know, your other players involved. You have Majesty, which was the one that was working with Pro that introduced us and actually came up with the name Common Ground. You got my man Superman that was always rolling with us, that he was kind of like back then, if we gave him a title, his title was basically like the manager. But, you know, I've always said that he's always been a constant muse for the crew where, you know, to throw out ideas or or certain things just to kind of get some some brainstorming going, he's always been there. Then after that, you know, we had Amin that came on board, which was Doc Spawn, and he did a few tracks with us. And, and, and even beyond that, like it's like when when people rep CG, there's something I got to be honest, like I, maybe maybe I'm looking at it, you know, from my own perspective. But, you know, it's it's rare that you hear other people from other groups or other camps or other artists rep. Somebody else's crew, right? And yeah, and that 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 whole CG stamp. So many, so many people have repped it, and so many people have have set it on their own and other things. And it's, and I think it's because of the fact that, you know, when you look at it, like we have, it, it's there's dices to it, right? So you have ID Four, which is shot in Littles, and then you have North and Agony, which is you know just the duo that we had. And then whenever we did something together, it was it was known as common ground. And that's kind of like the platform that we met on. So as we continue to do collaborations with, you know, the likes of people like Streetlight, with my man Gold and Jigs, and um, with um, Salazar um, and Tabaquero and, um, and Vortex uh, Capone and, you know, all these people that, you know, over time became, you know, like, like family members and, and extensions of the crew, mm. you know, to us, that's that's cg you know like we don't we don't sit there and like you know say well not cg is this and it's that like when we do something collective like that's that's the platform that that we meet on and and over time that's kind of what it's become and that's why like places place places that we go and tracks that we do you hear everybody repping that 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 title and and that's what it's all about you know it's 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 about like being doing a collaborative effort meeting on that common ground and putting something out that at the end of the day everybody's comfortable with pushing forward as one unit
1: that's that's ill um listening to you break that down and uh, it reminds me it takes me back to you know my early hip-hop influences and the era where um the native tongues were, were such a force and it was mm. and it was they were created almost by the same virtue where it wasn't like they decided hey we're this is where we're gonna you know we're gonna be this it just happened to be that you know, uh, Jungle Brothers was there and they knew Tribe, you know, or they related to Tribe. And then Tribe was down with Dayline. They all fit kind of like the same spectrum. They all felt comfortable around each other. And then you start getting the likes of Moni Love, Queen Latifah. And then it, it keeps growing. And then, you know, by the time like the late 90s hits, you've got everybody, you know, Busta, Busta, and the leaders of the new school back then. But then you got, you know, Common, uh, you got Talib, most deaf. They, you know, they make their way in and it's, and it's kind of similar to what you're describing when it comes to common ground, which is dope. That's dope.
0: Yeah, man. It's, it's to us, it was always, it was all about just, just repping as, as one. And it's, and it's always been about like a movement, you know, it's it's something that um, just, to get everybody on board, and it's it's kind of like that whole concept of like the you know the nights at the round table, like there's no yeah. there's no head of the table. Mm-hmm. Um That's pretty much how we we operated, and we continue to operate that that way.
1: And when you say continue to operate, you know it's it's a great another great segue, bro. You, you're doing this, shit. <laughs> you're making this show so easy for me, agony. You're like you've done this before. <laughs> But talk about continuing to work even now. You got uh, the, the, the latest, the last project, the most recent project was uh, Shot by Agony. Yes. Produced by the homie Shoddy, Human Sushi Fam, South Florida yes. Media Gang and whatnot. And, and was that before or after the uh, Agony and His Amazing Friends?
0: So the the Shot by Agony was before. Okay. Um, Shot, Shot by Agony was... So let, let me let me backtrack a minute so that way folks whoever's listening to this can can see kind of how things are kind of where we at now. So okay, you know, at one point we were doing music, North and I were doing music heavy. We were rolling with DJ Epps and Night Breeders. This was um like in the in the two thousands, early two thousands, um uh and well mid mid two thousands. I wanna say two thousand six, two thousand seven, around that era, we were we were hitting it really hard and we were we were making some noise. I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, we were banging all over the place, but I mean, we like heads knew about night breeders. They knew about North and agony for the most part. If you were in the scene, chances were that you had heard of us. Um, but I, I put a, I put an, my own personal deadline on that. I said, if, you know, if by the time I hit a certain age, nothing's come out of this, I got to figure something out for, for my fam. Okay. So sure enough that, that time came, you know, I, I pulled away from the music. I actually went back to school, picked up a couple degrees and, and now that I've got those under my belt and stuff, and I have a little bit more time on my hands, even though coincidentally enough, I'm actually back in school right now trying to get a master's. But um while I'm now that I got some time on my hands, I've I, I wanted to get back into the music. You know, we we made a, a a pact almost, like a blood pact at one point, you know, that said that no matter what happens, we're always gonna make music, whether it's whether it's one track a year or whatever the case is, like it's something that's always just gonna be a part of our lives. So um when I when I started to get back into, into trying to do some things, um, by chance I just I had lost contact with with most of with anybody that was really producing for me. So you know, Pro at that point was on to uh, other things, and he was kind of tough to get a hold of. And um, and then this other guy who produced for us, First Class, um, he had moved out. He wasn't really doing productions anymore. So by nature, like Shoddy was the one that had given me like a reel of beats, and I had done a few a few tracks of his stuff, and and then I came up with the with the concept of 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 saying, you know what, I've I've always liked that that idea of just you know one producer one for the whole album, you know, and because it just it, it has a certain it, on its own, it it keeps a certain consistency with mm. with the, with the way kind of like the overall sound of of the album, correct, and. And I did want to also keep it with just, just about me and Shot. So the only the only two features on that album are just two songs that feature Shotty. There's nobody else on it but but him and I, and the rest of them are just me. So so we put, you know, we we I, I had to do a few more because I wanted to have a certain number of tracks. So I reached out to him and told him about the, the idea. He was down, you know, he hooked me up with a few more beats, um, some of which that he was really nice to part with because there were um, there were some some nice ones there that he's even admitted afterwards. He was like, Yo, man, like yeah, yeah I'm <laughs> I'm happy you did it some justice because you know that was tough to part with because I was waiting to do something to that track. Yeah. And you know, he put the project together. We we Sandro, you know, being Sandro came up with a dope title um for the album and and then we we did like a well I did like a quick release and and that was it. But I hadn't been on social media like that for a minute. Um, I hadn't really done anything as far as promotions go and stuff like that. So I kind of just put it out and it was what it was. Um, Then most recently I did like more of a re-release because, you know, I had at least, you know, been networking a little bit more, you know, between, you know, meeting up with people such as yourself, like on H2O's platform, who's always, you know, putting people together and stuff like that. I was like, you know what, I think I want to at least give this another quick push to put it out there to some of the new folks that are now engaged with the type of stuff that I do. So, that one was done first. Now, the, the Agony and His Amazing Friends, kind of similar to that is that over the course of time, I've produced a lot of collaborations. I'm a huge fan of getting different people together and, and just making music. Like I know, I know for some people, they're not um, too much of a fan of participating in those type of exercises because of the fact that you, you have to work within the constraints of that group yeah. And it, because there's a certain freedom of doing solo tracks that you don't have when you're doing collaborative stuff. But to the same point, I like the fact of it's of doing things where you experiment with different people and bring different vibes together and put it and get something that comes out really nice. And because of that, you know, I've I've got this, this listing of some music that I've always felt was really, really dope. And as I was listening to them, I was like, you know what? Some of them have been released on different projects, but, you know, to together they... It, brought a sound that I was like, this is really, really tight. Mm-hmm. So, you know, now it's just, the other thing I'm doing is I'm just taking advantage of the fact that it's, that, you know, we can distribute this stuff now digitally and we didn't have that platform before. So I was like, you know what? I, I put a, a, a album cover together. I put my my tracks together and I, you know, I put them in a certain order and I released it just just because I could at mm-hmm. that point. And that's kind of why why that one made its way out.
1: Yeah, you're pretty much uh, taking advantage of the, uh, the capabilities that are offered to today's youth. You know, after so many years of, you know, not, it, it's like it wasn't that easy to do to find someone that was going to put out your product like that. So, I mean, I mean, props to you. I'm digging the shot by agony. Uh, I, I like to think that my theme song is I ain't too old.
2: <laughs> I love
1: that song. It's <laughs> still ain't too old. But uh, you touched a little bit on the production factor and the fact that you're producing. Um, most recently, I saw something. Uh, talk to me about the Holy Ghost with D-Force.
0: Yeah, my man D4 is from Spot Rushers. So he's he's another one that back in the day used to do his thing and and now that I've kind of gotten back into stuff, him and I have been in contact because prior to this whole quarantine stuff, um him and I were meeting up at the gym, playing ball, just trying to keep, keep in shape, you know, and 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 stay fit, you know. So we were we we we, we were always talking music and I think just due to that, you know, it's when when music's been in somebody's life, it's really hard to pull that away. So he started you know, literally blowing the dust off of his hardware and getting his, his his stuff up and running again and trying to get back into productions and and he threw a he threw a beat at me and and I always tease him because I'm like he's a he's a micromanaging producer like he's the type that'll come to you and say look I got this beat I got this concept I got this topic I got everything I'm like all, right,
1: all you, you got to do is stay on the rails that's
0: it <laughs> I'm like you want to just give me the verse and ghostwrite it for me too so. <laughs> um so he came to me with the song after I was vibing to it he called me up he's like yo I got this idea you know to to do something like semi-religious and stuff and I was like "All right, I don't hear it to that beat but I'll see what happens and one day on the drive to go pick up some groceries like the hook just came to me and I, I threw it at him and he was vibing to it and then um and then he wanted to bring in his boy El City who's who's not religious basically and and I told them, so together I was saying, you know what, I think what would be dope is to come up with, with a track that overall the concept is you get one person to speak his side, his truth mm-hmm. of how he feels about things, and then then I'll I'll come in and I'll spit something kind of as a um as a rebuttal, but not but not in like a confrontational way. So gotcha. um so the song itself is is really, really cool because it's it, it basically talks about that. It's 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 somebody's perspective who's who's really not, you know. Believer, so to speak. Um, then you have you know uh, another verse which kind of talks to that person and hitting on some of the points that they made, and then um, and then there's an outro to it and stuff like that that he put together. So it's uh, it should be coming out, I I believe. He said Friday it's going to be uh available. Um, well, and because I know it's mixed and ready to go, so I'm just waiting on him to let me know when it's out there so we can let people know that they can hear it. Right now, we put out the promo. Um, that has like just bits and pieces of of like the song almost like a teaser trailer I told him that was pretty cool but but that's that's what the holy ghost is about
1: so so the last thing I want to touch on <clears throat> is uh is your motivating capabilities um if anybody follows agony um agony305 at instagram or or is it yeah agony oh, it's yeah. @agony305 on instagram i'm still fairly new to this i've only had like an instagram account for like 2 years but uh but uh if if you follow agony uh, he 'll hit you with the motivation, um, what inspires that
0: so there was a there 's a guy that I met back when I used to do um, like an in, instructional design and training and corporate training and every time I had gone to any of these training classes, it was your typical style of training. You sit there, you listen to somebody talk, and then that 's it um, they i I was paired up with him to work a class and I saw him teach a class that in a way that I had never seen somebody teach before. Um, he, he really found a way to connect with people beyond the topic at hand and, and found a way to even make certain things that you were learning for, for your job to relate to what you you're doing in life mm-hmm. and to- totally, changed my vibe. And, and I even got into doing that type of style of delivery at, at work. And part of the things that came up that he taught me was this concept of a Friday Eve, right? So, um, and it, it's just all about, you know, a perception. When he told me about that, like Friday Eve, he's like, yeah, you know, you got Christmas Eve, you got New Year's Eve, you celebrate the day before the big day. So I don't, to me, there's no Thursday. Friday Eve, I'm already going into weekend mode. And and because of that, that transitioned into something that I started doing at work and I still do to this day where, where every every Friday Eve, you know, every Thursday morning, um, I send out a message to my, to my team at work just with, with something, you know, that I, that I would find online and, and was motivational. And when I started, um, like, getting back into the social media stuff, I, it was something I said, you know what? It, if, if I could just, if I could resonate with just one person a day, you know, and and send out a message that that re, that touches them or helps them throughout anything that they may be going through at that moment. Then I feel like I've I've done my job. So um, really, and I you know I I have tried to be consistent with it. I think so far since I started doing the messages, I don't think I've missed a day. Sometimes I miss the mark in the morning, but by the before the day's over, I try to get it out. But every message that you see, there's just whatever comes to me at that moment. It's almost like a, a quick freestyle, so to speak. So I sit there. I think of what what I would want to hear at that moment and and I just put it out there. And and my like I said, my hope is that for for whoever's reading it that they that there's at least one person that comes across it that says, you know what, that's exactly what I needed to hear today and if and if I've done that then then I've done my job and um I'm a strong believer that you get what you put out and by you know putting that positivity out there, you know, that's um um, eventually you know the, the universe will will pay me back in return
1: indeed indeed and that's uh it's it's a uh, it's a welcoming sight, I imagine for most people whose feed is probably bombarded with you know what I'm saying you got all types of other stuff and it's probably like a nice break in between you're you're looking at pictures of you know what's going on around in this world or somebody putting up some, some conspiracy or so, there's just so much other there's so much of that other stuff that it that you know having someone just contribute, a little bit of heartfelt, like right off the top, instead of like manufacturing quotes, but uh, it's it's a nice way to break up the monotony of everything else that we get bombarded with visually on social media. So dope, man! Props to you with that.
0: Appreciate it.
1: We covered a lot. We covered uh, agony <laughs> early on. Hip hop influences, getting into hip hop more involved as the years went on, finding his place in in the in the stratosphere that is Kendall. And, uh, and then eventually becoming part of something even bigger than just himself with the common ground um, and continuing to do things. You you, went, you you stepped away, you got your degrees, and you came right back to it. Um, I mean, and, and I appreciate it because what you put out after that is, is dope music. We worked up – I, I imagine you worked up with Thirst because I worked up with Thirst. Um, so there's really one thing to do here is give everybody where they could find you, and then we'll get into that brood segment.
0: Lucky enough – I've been able to, to keep it simple. I'm Agony305. I'm Agony305 on Facebook. I'm Agony305 on Instagram. I got a few things out there on SoundCloud. I'm Agony305 on SoundCloud. I'm Agony305 on Twitter. But I'll be honest, Instagram is probably where I network and do my things the most. I pump it out to different feeds, but I don't really go on Twitter, Facebook here and there. But mm-hmm. um, but Instagram is really where where I connect the most. If you need to email me, I'm Agony305 at Gmail. The only way the only place where that breaks is that if you're gonna go on your streaming platforms and you want to be able to find me, then it's Agony, the secret weapon. If if you just look up Agony, you might find some death metal stuff that has nothing to do with me. Um, but if you throw in the secret weapon, you'll find the, those projects that I've put out on your streaming platforms, and um, and you'll be able to entertain yourself for a little bit, and and keep looking because there's there's more projects coming. I got another project that I'm working on right now, slowly but surely, with some newer vibes so to speak just with kind of my twist on stuff and also that that i'm producing for the most part i'm trying to do another one where it's all new beats that i've made and and collab collabs that i'm doing with a few folks i've got a few tracks already done some that are in the works and i'm hoping you know by by the end of the year i'll be able to get it done but you know this whole covid thing's kind of things down quite a bit with with collaborations and stuff but but like i said just you know slow and steady wins the race whether it comes out later this year or next year it will come out i promise you that
1: one thing I like to say a lot is uh, never on schedule, but always on time. Um, Shouts to yeah, Nas was on i one for one of his albums, one of the later albums. But yeah, man, it, like you said, going back to the universe, it happens when it's supposed to happen, and this is the time where we get to create the best of it, and then we come up with all types of ideas and ways to to really pump it when we, you know, when we get back to what we're used to doing. So, dope. I'm looking forward to it. I'm gonna promote it on this end. Um, Shouts to soup. You mentioned soup earlier. Shouts to the whole common ground, you know, shoddy. Um, Shouts to HWBCC is kind of how this became possible. And, um, yeah, man, let's get into these brews. So, Brews Easter podcast, I got agony with me. I'm still old-headed. Y'all stay tuned. Big beer, little beer. Bruise, Beats, and Eats, and we have reached the brew segment. Uh, this is where my guest, in this case, Agony, samples four beers, gives us a, his thoughts on his beers. At the same time, we'll kind of dig into a little bit of his, uh, any history might he might have with certain beers, maybe the first time he tried a beer, and then we'll get into what he's drinking nowadays. Let's set it off with this first beer. While Agony, Agony samples the beer, I'm going to give you guys a quick rundown of what he's drinking. So you ready, Agony? Yes, sir. All right, go ahead and hit that one. We got the auditory, the uh, the audible sound of the uh, can popping there. This first one he's having is El Jefe. It's from Jay Wakefield Brewing. It's a hefeweizen, clocking in at a five percent ABV, and it's out of Miami, Florida, uh, from the good people at Jay Wakefield, located in Wynwood, to be exact. Let me know what you think of that one.
0: It's nice. Um, it doesn't have a A big bite to it Uh, it's nice and light it's smooth it it's refreshing as shit I'll tell you that much I don't know if it's all the the talking that we've been doing like you said working up a thirst but it definitely went down really nice on that first sip I promise you that okay okay not bad so, yeah I'm actually, I'm actually staring at it right now apparently it's saying german style wheat ale with with coconut added i'm trying to taste the coconut i don't taste too much of the coconut though but it's it 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 tastes good though it's got a real nice taste to it
1: yeah from what i understand is that yeah the, it's a german hefeweizen which is you know their version of a, the germans version of a wheat beer and uh they incorporated the coconut to give it a, a south florida feel um but i think with a beer with a, with a beer of this style i guess if you don't go heavy on the coconut it doesn't have that lingering taste. But uh yeah, man, this is one of the ones, one of the first ones I tried when I pulled up to Jay Wakefield and I was I was digging it. They also have one that's called the uh 24th Street Brown Ale, because they're located on 24th and uh what's that second Avenue right there in Winwood. But um yo, Jay Wakefield, cut the check. I'm gonna give you a problem here. <laughs> yo, Agony, um, your first or your earliest beer memories. Earliest beer memory, actually.
0: I can't tell you what beer it was, but all I could tell you is that it was the most disgusting thing I had ever tasted in my life at the moment. Okay. Um, like when they say that I never understood the fact of they say that beer is an acquired taste. And that's that's the nice way of saying that, you know, it tastes like crap and eventually you'll get used to it, right? It will be. Um, yeah. It will. <laughs> yeah. So, but, uh, you know, the first... The first beers would have been something that I probably you know snuck out of my dad's refrigerator, which would have been something like a Budweiser or something like that. Which okay. to this day I can't mess with a Budweiser. Probably the only the only Budweisers that I think I've ever been able to to enjoy um, have been the the Black Crown that they put out. Okay. And, and if I want something lighter, believe it or not, I my wife's uncle put me on to the uh, Bud Light Platinum. You got that it. one. That one I can I can mess with, but I don't know if it's just old memories. But I, you give me just I know there's some people that are diehard Budweiser fans. I cannot drink a Budweiser for the life of me. It's, that's that's you I you I could be thirsty. I'd, I'd rather swallow sand than drink Budweiser.
1: <laughs> Your body has developed a natural way to reject it.
0: <laughs> yeah, but um, so, but, you know, but after, after that, you know, as we. Like when I started, like remember, like true memories of saying, "All right, we're gonna drink." Like, you know, we grew up on, on you know, juice, boys in the hood, menace to society. Mm-hmm. So whenever we get our hands on anything, we were getting our, our hands on the biggest beers we could find. So this was, you know, Old English, yeah. the Mickey's Blue Bull, things of that nature, like those, those, um, those type of beers. And, and I mean, we we did everything from, from drinking them straight up to, to at one point we started mixing them with like Hawaiian Punch when it was a, a fad. Um, then, then St. Nides came out with their version of like flavored beer and they had that. So we were, we were riding that for a while. Mm. And, and it's funny because I remember one time I took a trip to New York and I'm hanging out with my brother and he's, he goes to stop and he's like, yo, you want, you want something to drink or anything like that? And I was like, you know, what? He's like, get me a brew. He's like, what do you want to drink? And I said, get me, a, get me an OE. And he he looked at me. He's like, "Yo, that's piss water, man. You gonna drink that bum juice?" And I was like, "Yo, what are you talking about? Like, that's what I drink." And you know, and then as as you get older, obviously not drinking that, you're drinking actual beer. And 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 then I started drinking beers that were just like your your regular stuff, like your Coronas, your Heinekens, Presidentes. And and one day, out of nostalgia, I walked into a a, a gas station. And I saw a bottle of OE and I was like, yo, you know what? Let me just, let me just pick one for old times sake. Yo, hey, let me tell you, I, I, I kid you not. I took one sip of that and my brother's words came back to me at that moment. If piss water <laughs> could taste like anything, that's what it was. No. You know, my, my palate had changed so much that I was like, I can't believe that we used to drink this and think we were cool. This is the dumbest thing fire, we ever did. Um,
1: An acquired taste.
0: <laughs> yeah, man, let me tell you. And, and then after that, it's, you know, it's, like I'm not, I'm not one of those that's a, I would, I wouldn't call myself like a beer connoisseur, but yeah, my, my palate has expanded to like, I really like trying different beers. So that's why when you reached out and you mentioned like what this platform was about, I was really excited because I'm definitely, I like, like I, some people can't handle the IPAs. I can, I can handle the IPAs, you know, I've, yeah. I've, I've, I've ventured more into like the darker beer. And I think, I think the gateway into that point in my life was that somebody put me on to Newcastle. Mm. And, okay. and I was like, you know what, let me try it. And, and I fell in love with that beer. I was, I was hitting that heavy for, for the longest. And, and then after that was when I started getting into like these different things and it's, and it's a beautiful thing now, because now you go to Publix and, and even when Dixie or Fresco, whatever they call these days, and they have these little sections with, with like these different types of beers that you can that you can try before you know it was your typical Coors Light, Michelob, Heineken you know stuff now they have they have options there for you to find and I'm really excited because now Publix has for the most part been able to find my my favorite beer there which they didn't have it before um and that's my my Kentucky bourbon ale
1: No, oh, dope yeah from Lexington Brewing Companies the Kentucky bourbon is there you just want you want you like the original one or do you fuck with the uh the cream ale or there's a coffee one too have you tried those?
0: I haven't. Um, okay. Mine is just the the original one. Okay. Let me tell you that that if I want when I want to get fancy here at the house, I even bought myself the the cup that they sell for it. I, I forget what the, the the cup itself has a specific name. It's a style of cup that I guess the intent is that as you're drinking the beer, it also um, sends like the aromas through your through your nose to enhance the taste, which enhances the flavor and all that stuff.
1: I um, imagine you're referring to the uh, uh the snifter which has had a smaller opening at the top.
0: Yeah. Let me see if, um, yeah, exactly what it is. I'm, I'm, I'm looking it up right now. something like that. Yeah. Um, and it, and it has the the marking on like the cup says Kentucky bourbon ale, So it's like meant for it. And, right. and because of the price of it too, like it's one of those things that I'm very selfish with. Like now, if I have somebody come over, I got to know that they're worth that beer for me to say, Hey, I want you to try this one because I'll be damned if I'm going to waste one of those, um, on anybody, considering you're paying upwards of twelve, thirteen dollars for yeah. a four pack,
1: you know. Yeah, 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 indeed, indeed. There's, there's one that just came to mind as you're telling me about your, your affinity for the bourbon barrel ales. Which, uh, funny enough, when I had, um, when I had Shadi or Dre and Renee on the show a while back, one of the four beers that I had for them was this one called Innis and Gun. Which, when I said it the first time, it sounded like I said Innocent Gun. <laughs> and, and uh <laughs> but the Innocent and Gun and they have a uh oh, On a second they have a I guess yeah it's a it's a bourbon barrel ale as well and uh that one is probably one that I like just a bit more than the Kentucky bourbon barrel ale but uh but yeah right there in the same family you know which goes along with the common ground theme same family shoddy and whatnot but um I digress. Let's get into the second beer. Uh, The second one, whenever you're ready, you can fire off. I'm going to give them the details. It is the Crema Real or Crema Real. Crema Real for my my English-only speaking listeners. Uh, This is from the Tripping Animals Brewing Company. This one here, right on time, you got the the crack of the can. This one here is the sour... Brewed at Berliner Weiss, and it clocks in at a 6%, and it's brewed right here in South Florida, Doral to be exact. Give that one a try. Let me know what you think, Agony.
0: This tastes like something my son would like, and he's like 15. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, this is like, it feels like, it tastes like, it tastes like candy is what it tastes like, to be honest with you. like It's, um, it's a little bubbly. So it mm-hmm. almost has a bit more of like a like a seltzer-y vibe to it. Got gotcha. you. Uh, but exactly how it, it sounds, it's like if you you listen to the name and you hear Crema Real and you're thinking it's going to be something like a cream soda or something like that, but it doesn't really have that vibe to it at all. Um, Correct. Yeah.
1: Well, actually, that's 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 funny you say that because uh, this beer here was uh, inspired by uh, the, the the brewers. Uh, affinity for orange popsicles when they were a child in Venezuela. Uh so it has a bunch of oranges, it has tangerines, um, and it's got a little bit of uh it's got a little bit of Madagascar vanilla in it and some black toast, which is kind of what gives it that uh that heavier uh texture to it. Which the more I read it, the more more I think about it. It's like, yeah, this is something that a kid would probably enjoy more. I just recently got into sours. Have you ever had sours before?
0: No. This is actually the the first time that I'm that I'm tasting something like this. Okay, okay, it's good. I say, I, I, but it does feel more like I'm drinking a like a flavored soda gotcha. than I'm drinking a beer.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that's the draw. That was one of the draws for me when it came to tasting the sour for the first time. Um, shouts to Angels in the Hot Fields. He put me on uh, to sours, and um, it, it's it's definitely an ideal beer if you find the right one. It's definitely an ideal beer to have on a hot day. You know what I'm saying? Where you could throw one back and it does, you know, it, it doesn't give you that heavy feeling off rip. Uh, but and you know,
0: I feel like I should be drinking this like under an umbrella by the beach. There you go. There you go.
1: Situation for all different beers. Let me tell you,
0: I gotta be honest too. Like the 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 labeling that this company has is pretty dope. I remember heavily looking at these when you sent them, and I'm like, what the heck Is this guy gonna make me drink like I'm, am I gonna be hallucinating by the time I'm done with some of these because
1: <laughs> yeah yeah for those who, for those who are listening if you the label on the can consists of like what I think is an orangutan eating a, a orange creamsicle and then the thing is it, it does have these like uh, it has these um, like rings like these aura waves that are that are emanating yeah. from this from this from this orangutan so yeah and then the name is tripping animals. Which I guess that plays into the whole field of yeah, am I gonna catch a you know, am I gonna catch a feeling off of this besides just the buzz?
0: Yeah, I was looking at this. I'm like, let me make sure let me read the ingredients on this before I just say, Yeah, I want to be on the podcast and come out of my office and scare my family. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. So <laughs> yeah, so well, let's get into this third one, which also happens to be from the um dancing, it's actually also from Tripping Animals Brewery. It's their Dancing Shoes. Uh, this is their IPA. And uh, this one clocked in at a 6.5 ABV, so we're slowly but surely climbing. Like I said before, Miami is based out of Doral, and this is uh, their collaboration with Hoofhearted Brewing, and they put together this IPA. Um, before I get Agony's thoughts on this, yo, shouts to Bureau 5 Bureau five check them out on IG at beer O, and then the the word the word five the number five spelled out um, beer delivery services throughout South Florida um, he was the one that was able to make this happen like agony said earlier we're doing this these uh, podcasts we're creating content in these quarantine times so um, we're doing this over the phone so I was like I right. I happen to come across this young brother who delivered beers. I was like, oh perfect. This works out. because You can send force in a certain direction. I'll you have them drop them off and then we'll make this podcast happen. So shouts to Bureau Five. Um Agony, what you think of this one?
0: This one's actually really nice. Um it's you could definitely taste that it's an IPA. It has that written all over it. But it's very I think the name is is suiting. It's saying that the tropical Indian pit definitely tastes tropical. Um okay. It was, um, this is a, it, it's, it's nice. I'm, I'm trying to think of how I describe it, but it's just, it's just nice. Like it's refreshing and, and it tastes, it tastes good. It tastes really good. It's like it has, you could, you could, you taste the, like the summer fruitiness of it, but it's not, it's not overpowering at all. Definitely. Gotcha. You definitely can enjoy this, um, with like some coconut shrimp.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> oh damn, we're doing the pairing thing. Okay, dope. I like that. I like that. Some coconut shrimp. It fits in with the tropical motif. Um yeah, apparently this one was conditioned with pink guava, pineapple and acai. So you you are getting a little bit uh you're getting definitely getting some fruit notes in there. Um along with along with the four different hops they used. And and you've you've been uh you've been, you familiarized yourself with pale ales before or IPAs before. So this is something right uh right in that wheelhouse.
0: Yeah, the my my wife's cousin um it's funny. He actually did something similar for, for Christmas for me. He, he brought me a gift and he made, he made his own personal six pack. He brought me a six pack of his IPAs. He's like, these are my favorites. He's like, so I'm giving them to you and I stashed them away. So good. Cause I didn't want anybody to drink them that I forgot where they were. And then one day I stumbled across them. I was like, Oh, this is going to be great. I put them on the freezer. And then I was able to run through them. So he's kind of the one that, excuse me, introduced me to, um, to just the flavor of, of IPAs and stuff mm. like that and, you know at first same thing like with anything else at first I was like oh that's that's a bite you know it's not something I'm used to mm. and but then after after a while you get you get used to them and and you learn to kind of uh almost appreciate the the flavor that it's giving you so um I, but that's why I, that's definitely something that's not for for any for everybody I, I got some friends of mine that I know that they they love a good beer but they're, they're just not fans
1: of IPAs yeah. Yeah. True. I hear that. Yeah. It took me, I mean, even still, I can't say I'm a fortified full fledged IPA fan. I have found several that, that appeal to my palate. I'll, I'll drink them if they're there, but being that there's so many options, like you said, I, you know, you go to Publix now and they they're introducing so many different styles of beers and options that it's like, it's not the first thing I go towards. I will make an effort to try. Cause I, my, my goal is to try one of everything. But, uh, or as many as I can, Uh, but definitely IPA is not the one that, that gets my attention. So I'm I'm with, I'm with your homies that are kind of steer away from that.
0: Yeah. And, and I mean, to keep it on, it's like, I'm, I'm with you as well. Like I said, I, I will drink them and I can enjoy them, but they're not my, my go-to. Gotcha. Most, mo- the Like there isn't, I don't, I, I don't have IPAs in stock in my, in my refrigerator mm. here at the house,
1: you know? Yeah. Yeah. True. True. But okay, I will, but I will throw them down. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. All alcohol accepted, <laughs> except, the, except the Bud Lights. We <laughs> definitely have reservations against Bud Light.
0: Yeah, no Budweiser, please. No Budweiser.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get into this fourth and final beer. This is Face Cake. It is from Beat Culture Brewing. These are all South Florida beers. This one's also brewed in Miami. It is a uh, chocolate cake stout. It clocks in at a seven percent. So this is the heavy hitter. This is the big boy. This is like uh, this, this is like the guy you know batting cleanup. You know what I'm saying? He's going to bring everybody home at this point.
0: I don't know what to say about this. Ed, like it, this tastes exactly like what it says it is. Really, <laughs> it really does, and.
1: Mm. I'm trying to give another swig
0: here. Okay.
1: So now, what Agony's speaking of, that is, you know, it's, it's considered a chocolate cake stout. It seems like a beet culture collab with a local uh, chocolatier, I would say. And uh, they added vanilla and milk sugar. So, it, you know, you do get kind of that dessert feel in a can, and it got that 7%. So, it'll definitely do its, you know, it'll do damage.
0: Yeah, this is something that I could I could see myself drinking, like to your point, almost like as a like an after dinner drink, where you serve me like a cup, and but I I can't I couldn't see myself drinking like let's say like a six pack of this. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. But definitely it
0: does, it does taste good. i like, I can't front. Like I'm not gonna sit here and say it's disgusting. It's just the fact that um, it since it does taste, I'm telling you, it tastes like what is it? It, it, it tastes like basically if you if you blend it. A, a chocolate cake with a brew—it it really does taste exactly how it sounds.
1: Yeah, definitely. This is the type of beer where, uh, like you said, it's the it's wrap up. You're not—you're not trying to get busy on a on a four pack or a six pack. It's just something kind of last to wrap the day up after a nice meal and whatnot. And then if you have like a little taste for for a beer, this is the way to go. Though agony, uh, this is the time when I'm gonna ask of you to kind of give me your one through four of the four beers you just sampled
0: all right so for me out of these my number one would be el jefe okay and and i'm i'm rating these just based off of like you know if, if i had to go and and based on if the four of them were available like which ones i would actually purchase you know to to drink and when i say drink like i was saying it means that i that i could drink six of them Got you know it. and that and enjoy it that's what i'm going based off of here. okay good strategy good strategy. Um, you know so el jefe for me is number one um the dancing shoes for me is number two the ipa okay um the the crema real for me would be third and then the um the space cake would be would be fourth and again not hating on the space cake it's actually it's actually delicious it's just since it's something that's sweet and that's just that's just the way i am like i'm one of those like you can't you can't give me Bailey's or any type of rum cream mm. or anything like that. Like I can have a a shot of it like after dinner, but we're not gonna get drunk on yeah on that drink. You know, it's even in the in the holidays. I'll make coquito. I'll have a small little bit of coquito after dinner, but I'm not gonna be drinking that thing the whole night. Like, so Got that's you. just uh, like my my palate. Because I'm still sipping on it as <laughs> as we speak. Because it's it tastes good, but like I'm saying, it's just I can't. I definitely can't drink six of them. But that's my order again. So El Jefe, Dancing Shoes, Crema Real, and then Space Cake.
1: So though, real quick, before we wrap this up, uh, you mentioned Coquito. Um, what do you know about Pitorro? I
0: know that uh, my friend's father ended up in the hospital drinking that over some dominoes while he was on in Puerto Rico. That's what I know about some real Pitorro. Wow.
2: <laughs> it'll, put you,
0: it'll put you in the hospital if, if, if it's made a certain way.
1: Wow, hey, so and there's no there's just no warning label on those. So no. Nope. <laughs> y'all can go out there, Google Pitoro, and you'll find out exactly what we're talking about. Yo, Agony Man, you got through the four beers. We quenched the thirst. Um, let's get into this next segment where we talk beats. So uh y'all stay tuned as Bruce Beats and Easter podcast. Bruce Beats and Easter podcast, and we have reached the beat segment. This is the segment where we get into my guest's musical taste, uh, uh, kind of get into what uh, their playlist would consist of, what motivates them, what maybe they can do without, uh, and uh, what else. Yeah, man, pretty much that's the rundown. So, so, Agony, what do you got on your playlist? What do you listen to nowadays?
0: Sadly, um, um, I feel like I'm old. And like I'm one of those that like I'll I'll I will i i do not listen to the radio anymore really for the most part. Like I throw on um, my Pandora mm-hmm. and like Pandora has this one thing of Red Man Radio, which basically plays, you know, Red Man, Met the Man, Mob Deep. I'm just I'm stuck I'm stuck in the nineties, bro. Like I, I'll listen to um here and there, like I'll, if new albums come out, like I'll listen to new stuff like, you know, your J. Cole's, uh, your Kendrix, um, your Kendricks, um, you're joining Lucas's, and a, a while back I even went on on social media and, and kind of put it out there for people to kind of give me um, some some names of newer people that that are out there doing some stuff, and they gave me some names that I can't remember right now that I've listened to. But as far as like if I'm listening to stuff, it's still it's still that that old stuff. I'm I'm either listening to to, to '90s hip hop or I'm listening to late 70s early 80s salsa. Like to me that's that's basically where what I'm jamming to on average. when um, my sons in the car he'll play all his stuff like you know a bunch of SoundCloud rappers like he's a big fan of of 94 Fatso which is you know a Miami grown uh rapper you know doing his thing and he's got some tight stuff. You know I can I can't say I hate on it. It's got some good sounding stuff but I don't I don't really, I'm not, grab, I'm just happy at this point that it seems like for the most part, we've moved out of that mumble rap phase. A lot of what I'm hearing more of these days, you could at least understand what these dudes are saying. Gotcha. But it was, it was getting to a point where I was like, oh please God, don't don't tell me that this is the direction that we're going. That it's um, gonna become the permanent. Yeah, no, that's... Yeah, cause I, I feel like, I've always said this, I feel like, you know, like with, with, with hip hop, you have like two... um Two two lines that you can track, right? You got your productions, and then you've got your lyrics. Mm-hmm. And I feel like production quality over time, like it, it continues to rise because even even with trap, that I'm not necessarily like a huge trap fan, but you listen to some of those beats, and, and and the beats are fire. And I just feel that there's been like a a decline. And looking at it from what's popular, I'm not saying. And Jen, one thing I, I've always said, and, and it's true, is that if you, whatever you're into, it's still out there for you. So if you want good hip hop and and people that are spitting lyrics and, you know, and they're dropping metaphors and punchlines and stuff, it's out there for you to find that you just have to look for it. But it's just, I'm going based on what's on the radio. I feel like on the radio and what's commercially driven, the beats have continued to progress. Lyrically, I feel like it's, it's, it, it peaked. And then it's kind of slowly declined. And here and there, we'll get like a flutter of somebody that comes out with a track that you're like, "Wow, that's dope!" But then it, you know, you, the overall though, it's it is what it is.
1: Yeah, the um, I, I think I can echo the sentiment with the trap music. I'm not a big fan of trap. Um, the, the trap sound. There's definitely guys that I've that I could respect that spit over trap music, and definitely there's elements of it where I'm like, okay. This sounds. This sounds. I can see what what the attraction is to, to the average listener or to or to any listener. But it's like anything else. Even when we was coming up, the radio bombarded you with a lot of the same things. So I think I think a lot of the cats that produce trap they end up kind of maxing out or they end up hitting the, the ceiling, you know, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and and which is fine. But then you have to kind of supplement or or, or, or kind of push back past that ceiling. Lyrically, in my opinion, I, that's what I would like to see. So, in other words, if you you know if you know that the trap is kind of fi- got itself stuck in this like revolving door, and there's very little they can do for it to evolve evolve as a sound, then you have to really you, you have to focus on the other part of the craft, which is like you said, the um but, You know, getting those two in sync, then I, I got to give you respect for anybody who does it. You know, for everyone who pulls that off. Yeah um also uh, the whole night stuck in the 90s bro welcome man you, you you're you're part of an elite club which I I think it's me <laughs> and a couple other people I haven't taken a head count but there's several of us that uh that just don't don't pull away from what you know what kind of raised us in the sense which is that early 90s right I'm all about that that earlys ni- early 90s there is like you said but there is something for everybody you can get out there you just have to do the you know do a little digging instead of in crates is through like, the interwebs and whatnot and um you'll find stuff that's out there that appeases to you or to the, you know to the listener um you mentioned red man method man also what i imagine early influences of yours red
0: man more so than anything like it's you know not now when we put out projects it's it's basically just you know just to put things out it's you know there's Timing, more than anything, is is a challenge. And by timing, I'm not talking about when it gets put out, it's just the time I have to create stuff. But if you know, for anybody that that goes and and listens to some of the older stuff that we did, such as um, especially on the the North and Agony mixtapes and albums like the We Got Eps, Who the Hell Is North and Agony, um, a, a bunch of things, uh, Christmas Trees is, is a huge influence there like we were really big at piecing albums together in a way that you know were intertwined with with skits and interludes that kind of took you through through a journey and then there was kind of music along the way right and and that influence came a lot from red man initially um i mean if i go further back than that you know you got your your, your prince paul that you know put, put a whole freaking story together you know track by track and then you know even when M came into existence and, and and got back on the radar, you know he had a lot of stuff there with with his skits and stuff like that and and that was that was a big influence on us like when we wanted to put projects out, it wasn't just about just the songs. It's like all right how do we put these all together in a way that's cohesive and and we kind of take the listener through through like i say through through a journey
1: yeah the i mean that's that's one thing that I've always applauded is people who were able to put together. Uh, in, in, an album kind of like you said where De La Soul is dead where it's, uh, the word is escaping me right now it's a conceptual, conceptual album mm-hmm. where it, it goes beyond it goes beyond just you putting these words down on paper and making a dope verse or three dope verses and finding the right book to match it then um, especially nowadays where cats there, there's so much there's so much at everybody's re- and anybody who's creating music there's so much within reach that it's not just enough for you to go up there and say these words into this microphone. It's, you know, you, you know, can you play an instrument that, that goes a long way. Can you harmonize and sing a hook that goes a long way. If you can, if you can write a dope verse, that's one thing, but if you're pushing your creative forces to like, the, you know, beyond the boundaries, like you said, it's a matter of trying to, it's a matter of coming up with a, a con- or being able to come up with a concept that stitches these songs together, which it, it kind of gives the listener more than just entertainment Within the, within the you know three and a half or however long songs are nowadays, then you got that someone in between to connect each song. That's, I'm, I'm a big fan of conceptual. Matter of fact, recently I heard uh, Soup on uh, WDDH radio on, uh, and uh, they got into it a little bit of the conceptual album talk. And for the mm-hmm. first time ever, I heard somebody say, yeah, a conceptual beat album. And I had never considered that there's such thing as a conceptual beat album like where the production ties itself together somehow so now i'm kind of mad at soup because i gotta go back and listen to a bunch of albums (laughs) to see where i find that you know an instance of that you know or maybe i just hit him up and ask him which ones he's talking about
0: yeah let me tell you soup is one that he's he's he studies the art i would say probably a little bit more than than i ever did you know i listened as a fan and um And just enjoyed music as a whole and and appreciated lyrics and stuff but you know he he really his his ear is is different that's why whenever we would sit there like i got memories of of working on tracks in a car just with an instrumental playing on repeat and me sitting there with my rhyme book and soup standing next sitting next to me and he's just he's just throwing things out and stuff like that and he's like yo if, if if you need me to shut up just tell me to shut up i was like soup just just keep talking, man. If 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 you say something I like, I'll use it. And if I don't, then I'm not. But just just keep it going because there's times that um that I'd be stuck on something, or if I'm wondering what to do, and then he'd say either one word or one line that would just just fire like light the fire under me and send me in, in the direction that I needed to go. And and all that comes from him just being around the music and and more of a as a spectator and a listener before he started doing you know his his own thing with, with production and writing and and recording so um and imagine it just it runs in the family because you know rest in peace mike rip you know he got to hang out with him for many years too so when when he started hanging around us he had already been around like elite MCing before you know i had even experienced something like that
1: Wow. Wow. Yeah, no, history, I mean, it's South Florida history. You can't mention, you can't go out without mentioning Mike Ripper, um, his influences. Uh, I know, um I remember recently Soup was talking about, he wanted to get a collect a, a, a bunch of audio clips of everybody sharing their, their Mike Ripper story. And, and I'm sure there's, I mean, me, which I never had any direct connection to him, but I could tell you a Mike Ripper story. Um, and, and that goes to show, that goes to show his, able, his ability to influence through the skill that he had. Uh, rest in peace for sure.
0: Yeah, that was a, uh, he was one, I almost, like it was, it's funny because I took, um, I know we're getting a bit off topic here, but real quick, I know that we, I took my son recently to go see a, a wrestling show, um, SmackDown, and- Oh, you was as, there, um,
1: um, at the uh, arena?
0: Yeah, this was, uh, this was last year um, in July. Like that, we that they were down here at the Miami at the American Airlines Arena. Okay, and, and I and I took them out there to go see uh Smackdown Live, I believe it was the American Airlines Arena because there was a second one that I that I sent them to, but I think that was up in um in Fort Lauderdale. Well, I might have them mixed up just the same, you know, there's there's these different wrestlers coming
1: out. And, Wait, oh, and, and then, before before you keep going, um, was that the one where Shawn Michaels showed up? Yeah, okay, all right, I was there too, I was in the building too. All right, go gotcha. ahead. Yeah.
0: No way! Yeah, yo, my my son was stoked because he was. I got him the, I got his tickets right by the entryway, nice. um, and then there was some people there that I guess hadn't showed up, and they were nice enough to let him, you know, move over and stand right next to the side. So he got to slide five with everybody and and do a bunch of things, and it was just, um, it was just crazy. So anyway, so point point of what um what I'm getting at is that, you know, some of these wrestlers come out and. And they have this. Uh, it almost looks like they're they're trying to put on this character, you know. Mm-hmm. And there's others that come out, and not only does it seem natural, but they just carry this like star power with them. Like just just seeing them, you're like, All right? This this they, they have something that you can't really put your finger on, but it just it just it suits them, you know. It just comes out of them naturally, mm-hmm. and. And point is that my grip was one of those, like he was one of those that wherever he went into, he just carried that 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 star power with him. I don't know if it was a, a belief in his abilities or whatever the case was, but, um, you know, when he, just, when he got into certain places like he commanded that presence and then, um, you know, he was able to back it up if anybody tried to question it, which is, I got to witness that a few times and let me tell you, it was a beautiful thing.
1: So, so yeah, my peoples go out there, do yourself a favor, look up the music. If anybody goes to North Agony, um,
0: Not only will you find a bunch of our older stuff, you'll find the CG album there, you'll find all the North and Agony tracks there, but there's there's a couple albums there of of folks in the crew that have passed on. There's one with, with Cash Wonder, and there's another one there that's called My Crypt Through the Years, where I've basically put together a bunch of stuff that I was able to get my hands on, um, a few collabos that we had with him, and a bunch of other stuff that, that people managed to send me. Um, And, and you'll definitely be able to listen to what he was able to do and put down on music. again. it's, it's no spaces, just North Agony, just as it sounds, dot bandcamp.com. Um, and you'll be able to check out a few albums, one of them, which is that microphone.
1: So my peoples, you know where to go get it. That's also going to be information that I'll put in the description box. If you like what you're hearing, go ahead. It's Bandcamp, you know, support, especially if you're from South Florida. But one thing that um I, I appreciate most uh, from doing this podcast is that, First, it keeps me creative in a sense. Second, it would be that it ties me back into what, like the part of the culture, like you said, like tight-knit group, definitely getting involved with WVCC, um, you know, building with Human Sushi. It kind of encapsulates me in a circle again where I was like, oh, okay, these are the people that they weren't right near me, but they were, they had their, it was like there was cells throughout South Florida and the stories are so similar. And it brings you back into that, to the culture, in a sense, and that's like definitely one of the reasons why I continue to do this. Uh, but enough about me, my peoples. You heard agony. We talk musical tape. There's only one thing left to do, which is get into this eats. So y'all stay tuned. It's still Bruce Beats and Easter podcast. Bruce beast and eats and we have reached the eats segment still got agony with me common ground northern agony and uh, this is where we get to know agony's hates when it comes to food uh dishes that he can't go without uh, dishes that maybe he's not fond of um, what what a typical what a typical day would look like if he were to able to eat whatever he wanted so let's start there uh, agony 24 hours or i mean eight hours of sleep so so we're looking at 16 hours you can have whatever you want
0: what would that day look like oh wow that's tough man let me tell you it's one thing i like to do man is i like to eat bro um and it's it's funny when the when the first avengers movie came out that that the hulk um turned to cap well at that point bruce turned to cap and he's like that's my secret like i'm always angry and he (laughs) turns into the hulk I, I I said, you know what? That's my line. Like, that's my speaker. Like, I'm always hungry. Like, there's, there's no way that you know you turn around and somebody's making something good that I'm like, let me at least get a bite, you know? Yeah. Um, but if I had to um to start off, like, I guess I'll go with kind of like my my go to. So, like for breakfast, my favorite breakfast is actually a Colombian dish that my my mother in law got me into, and I've def- I've learned how to make it on my own, so I don't have to rely on her. And it's it's a simple an effective one, man. It's just, it's, it's a white corn um, arepa with some steak and onions and two fried eggs over it. Um, it's, it just blends together so well. And I, I, I put it together in a way. So that way as I'm cutting, I get a piece of everything in each bite. And, and that's my, my goat's. Like She knew whenever I would go visit her, if my kids slept over, I'm like, yeah, I'm coming over for breakfast. She's like, what do you want? I was like, you know what I want. She had that plate Waiting for me. Um, for lunch, um, call me call me overly simple. Uh, a good burger with some thick cut fries mm. will always do the job for me. You know, a nice a nice patty with you know with with all the all the topping grilled onions, cheese, bacon, pickles, lettuce, onions, and and some seasoned fries to go with it. A nice and thick cut. Um, you can never go wrong with. It. With with a burger and fries, and then for dinner, it would have to be my my favorite dish from my mom's, which she makes un arroz con pollo con habichuela guisado al and I mix that all together, and it just it's it's fire. Um, For those that don't know, that's that's a rice that's made with chicken inside of it and red kidney beans that are made on the side, and you pour it over the top, and and if I had to incorporate a dessert in there. there's nothing better than than a good cheesecake with some strawberry toppings. That's that's kind of my my goal. And again, I'm I'm being selective, but trust me, I could we if, if you give me another twenty-four, another 16 hour segment, I, I I'll I'll go through another batch of stuff that I could probably choose as as a as a B side if I had to. But yeah. if you told me that all I had was one day left to eat, mm. that's probably what, what I would what I would ask for.
1: Got you, got you. You mentioned uh, mastering the art of, of the, uh, the arepa with, with the steak and the eggs. Um, anything else you, you, well, what's the one thing you like to whip up that, you know, that if you were to invite someone over and you wanted to show off the, the chef and skills, what's that one dish that you would make?
0: Yo, believe it or not, these days um, when, when people come over, my go-to are my hibachi skills? So I bought myself a blackstone 36-inch griddle. Okay. Which um, which I use now. And if I'm if I'm you know hosting a, a big group or even a small group and I'm inviting them to like a chef's table experience, then I'm doing that whole, you know, grilled vegetables, chicken, shrimp, steak, wow. fried fried rice. Like basically if you've been to samurai or Kobe or Rusan, wherever the hell it is that you go to get your stuff, like I do that at my house, and I promise you that it comes out just as good. Um, yeah. I, get, I, I get down on that griddle. Um, you know, if I, I'll get the yum yum sauce from winn and if I really want to go specific, I'll even drive all the way to the Falls and get a quart of their, their shrimp sauce just to make it a little bit more authentic because that's one thing that I've tried. I've tried to look up recipes to make my own at home mm-hmm. and, and nothing nothing has gotten me the taste that I'm looking for. And, and it makes no sense to try to reinvent the wheel when I can just go to, to Publix or Fresco and pick up a bottle of yum yum sauce and I'm good to go.
1: Damn, indeed, indeed. Uh, shit, Yo, that's 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 wild. I wasn't expecting that. I mean... Yeah, man, I cook, homie, I cook. I'm saying that, the you know, the feats that you you witness people display when they're whipping up the, the food in front of you, I mean, it's, I don't, I, I would... I have a. if I whip up a meal it's like yo, I'm I'm in the kitchen and I don't really get too many people involved, I couldn't even think about sitting there and making it right in front of somebody. Like that would that would throw me off.
0: Yeah, no, nah, I go and I sit down and I'm telling you, I get I get, put it this way, man, I even went on Amazon and I ordered me the 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 bandana that has the the symbol that Mister Miyagi gave yeah, from the, the old karate I kid. I even got that that I wrap around my forehead while I while I'm cooking just to keep it authentic.
1: <laughs> oh, 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 mode, not pulling out all the stops, agony. <laughs> so you yeah, got man. the ill cutlery and everything. Then I mean to make it official.
0: Yeah, man. I have I have my knives. I got my spatulas, my fork, my scraper. My I got I got everything. Let me tell you that griddle works wonders, man. I've made I have made some, like the breakfasts you can make on that also, like the the, mm-hmm. the way the bacon comes off on it, your eggs, your pancakes, your sausages, your French toast, you name it. Like it's, dude, it it just it it changes the way the the it tastes with the way it's cooked, and and I I use that also to make like some blackened mahi mahi. I'll cook my shrimp out there. Um, I've made some. Uh, oh, I made some. Some like sweet corn arepas, like like youth fair style, where you put the mozzarella cheese in between them and make like those little, make them like the double stacked with the cheese in between. Gotcha. Those those come out fire. Um, if I if I wanna something really simple that that anybody can make, and if you're into it, it tastes really good, dude. You take you take some cornbread and you slice it down the middle and butter it up and put that down on a on a buttered up griddle where it toasts the cornbread on both sides. Mm totally changes the texture of the because it adds a little bit of crunch to it you throw a little scoop of ice cream on that with, with a little bit of strawberries on the side wow so, yeah. now we could go on we could go on for days homie trust me when it comes to food that's why i told you when when you when i heard the name of this i was like yo this podcast is right up my alley i can talk about all this shit yeah
1: this is further proof right here so you mentioned uh cheesecake with the strawberries on top is there a particular place you would uh Lord, don't tell me you make a cheesecake too with strawberries on top with the I, I, make, I, make,
0: I make my cheesecake homie i don't i if I go to New York, I go to juniors and I get myself a junior's cheesecake that's that's a given but while i'm out here if i'm going i want a good cheesecake, I will make one of my own. I do my own strawberry toppings It's actually real simple. you chop up your strawberries and you put a cup of sugar. And you cook it slowly to make the topping and put that in the fridge. Mm. Um, I found a real simple cheesecake recipe that, that's practically foolproof. And it comes out really, really good. Nice and nice and rich. Because um, that's one thing. If it's cheesecake, it can't be, it can't be light. I, that's, that's cheesecake at that point. I'm not looking for something fluffy. I want something that's, that's dense. It's a dense, yeah. Um, yeah. And so I cut off my slice. I throw my toppings over it. And, and I go to town. And it comes out really good. So I just made one the other day. My, I asked my wife, I was like, yo, what do you want for for your birthday dinner? Because her birthday was this past, was last week Monday. Mine was on Friday. We're actually four days apart. Okay. And she's like, um, she's like, all right, I want some she's like, I want some Mexican street corn. I want some picanha. And for dessert, I want a cheesecake. I was like, You got it, baby. I I got you. And and I hooked her up. Um so let me tell you that picanha comes out really good too. Believe it or not, that's something that I got put on to not that long ago, and I just made it for the first time. I want to say about a month or two ago. Mm. And and I'm hooked on it, man. Break down picanha. That... I'm
1: not from. I might be thinking of something else.
0: What's picanha? Um, I forget where the where the cut is from. Let me see something here. Um, we, um it's the cut of the beef. Uh, origin, I don't know refers to the top. It's the top sirloin cap, rump cover, rump cap, or whatever. So it's it's a thick piece of meat that has a, a fat coating over the top. And what yeah. you do is that you make sure that, depending on how big the, the fat coating is, you, you cut it with the grain, um about two fingers worth, and you make like these steak slices. If the fat's too big, I usually cut the fat down so that way it's no more than about a quarter of an inch thick or so okay. if, if you like if you like fat you can leave it thicker but i like it about a quarter of an inch and then you use uh you, you season it um i've seasoned it real simple i use like garlic onion powder salt and pepper you know that's pretty much it gotcha and uh, use a lump charcoal off off the heat so after the lump is nice and hot you move it off to the side and you cook these off the heat um, until the inter- internal temperature is probably about... The way I do it is about, probably about 145, 150 tops. Okay. And then, then you throw it on the heat and that lump, because the grease is going to start flaming up on you real hot. Mm-hmm. And that's just to, to char each side and to crispen up the fat. Gotcha. Um, then once you go to serve it, you slice those steaks um, into strips where each strip has your meat and just a little thin piece of fat over the top to to soften it up. Let me tell you, that is delicious bro um like we were big we were big churrasco fans skirt steak fans and ever since i put my wife on to that she's like you know what you can forget the, the skirt steak if we're going to eat anything it's going to be that um <laughs> yeah, because yeah. it's not that bad either like i've been getting it at wild fork for like six dollars a pound nice and you know for 20 bucks i get myself a decent sized one that i get enough steaks to cover me at the fam over here and and we're good to go, you know. Lately, I for skirt steak, you're paying upwards 10 dollars a pound, and by the time you trim off off the fat, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. throw away like two pounds, three pounds on on your own. And if it's not from a good place, the steak's a little chewy and stuff like that. Like, so we're we're hooked on that, man. But so but cool. yeah, your picanha is. Um, like I said, it's I hadn't I hadn't heard of it, and I had never really done anything with it until a co-worker of mine made it one time for an event at the job, and this was about a year ago. And I had been telling my wife about it. And then finally, I, I, I was like, you know what? Let me jump on it and, and try and cook this thing. And it came out amazing, man. Amazing.
1: That's wow. Two, two more questions. Um, well, first of all, so besides the mother-in-law that taught you how to get down, how, how to um, put together the, the breakfast, the breakfast of choice at this point in time, uh, where else, I mean, your moms, did you, did you get some of these cooking skills from mom getting busy in the kitchen?
0: Um, my mother... Well, I learned a lot from my mom and more so than anything, I've always been interested in, in the stove. Like when I was, when I was 12 years old, I was already making my own meals. And I, when I say about meals is like, I was actually cooking my own food, like it was simple stuff, but like, you know, making my own eggs, my sandwiches and my grilled cheeses, yeah. um, you know, mac and cheese, but um, stuff that I could make on the stove, mix and do whatever. So I've always had an interest. So as I got older, um, I started just, you know, asking more questions because I'm like, all right, you know, I know it's, it's sad to think about, but eventually there will be a day where my mom's not going to be around anymore. So I got to figure out these recipes to, to keep this, this, uh, the traditions going. Yeah. And, you know, so I definitely reached out to her. So, you know, she's the one that taught me how to make like Spanish style food. So when it comes to like pollo guisado, carne guisada, the, the in the oven, the Thanksgiving turkey, you know, arroz con habichuela, arroz con ganduley. Um, you know, you name it, things like that. Like that, I got that all from from her. Obviously. Then once I, but then once I got into cooking, though, then I started picking up a lot from just the internet. You know, because I I started getting into into good steaks because growing up, my mom wasn't throwing down ribeyes and filet mignons yeah. and porterhouses and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, yeah. But as I, as I got into it, I'm like, yo, not only do I like it, but it's a lot cheaper if I make it on my own. So how do I get that flavor? And then you start you know, stocking up on yourself. So like, you know, my house, I have my stove, I have my oven, I have my cast irons, I have my griddle, I have my propane grill, I got my charcoal grill. Like the only thing I don't have in my house is a smoker at this point. But I got one in my brother's house and we make brisket there every now and then. So, um, you know, so it, it's you start learning how to do things like, you know, frying, you know, cooking your 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 fillets on high heat, for like two or three minutes on each side and then throwing some some garlic and herb butter over it with some thyme, and dumping it in the oven at like 475 for like another 10 minutes to finish to finish it off and you know things that you, i wouldn't know how to do without without looking it up because i like i like to eat well like locally here like chef adrian's is is my spot to go to okay. that woman can cook her ass off dude like i even joke around my wife and i'm like look i love love you all my heart but if that woman would ever hit on me that's where you got to be nervous because if she throws it this way i'm not sure how i'd react because let me tell you she can cook bro um and and you know but but the thing is that you know it's for that type of food you're also paying a a decent price. And it's, it's not too bad, you know, me and wife, you go. And if, if we're, if we're conservative, you know, we order an appetizer or a dessert, we share a plate, whatever the case is. I have a glass of wine, I have the tip and everything. I'm probably like at about a buck. If we want to splurge a little bit, maybe like a buck 50 mm, Yeah. and it's, it's worth it. Cause the food's good. But at the same time, it's like, I can't go and drop that every other weekend. So, yeah. you know, I got to try to figure out how to make this stuff at home where, where I can enjoy a good steak. And, and I've, let me tell you, I've, 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 I've gotten fairly, Fairly good at it, so you know. There's times when my wife is like, "I don't need to go out. I got you." You know, I got an
1: in-house chef. There you go. So, there you go. The last question is this: um, You said you mentioned earlier, before we got started, you mentioned doing some fishing. Um, is there a particular fish that you enjoy the most?
0: That's easy. It's mahi. Okay. Um, I love the texture of it. Um, I love the the way it can be prepared in different ways. It's 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 great fried. It's great um on a skillet. It's great blackened. It's great grilled. Um, it's good in salads. It's good in sandwiches. It's good in tacos. It's good by itself. Like I love, I love mahi. Um, um, I, I want to say if, um, I'm one of those that doesn't like to taste what I call like the the ocean or what most people would say I don't like fish that tastes like fish. I know it sounds cliche, but it's just I don't like the the taste of the ocean in a fish. Like I want to taste flavor. Yeah. And and mahi's one that that'll that if you prepare it right, it'll definitely grab that. Like salmon, something that I enjoy, a good salmon, but depending on how it's prepared and how it's seasoned, it can, it can taste a little bit like, like, like the ocean, or in, in this case, it could taste a little fishy, but easily for me, by far, Mahi's my, my go-to fish.
1: Yeah, uh, my peoples, this, this, has been, this has been a journey. We got to know Agony, uh, early beginnings, his venture into hip-hop music, and uh, what he's doing nowadays, what he's providing as far as sounds. There's a lot out there. Go check it out. Uh, we got to know his beer taste. He, uh, he tampled the four beers. He gave us his thoughts. And we talked beats. We talked music, influences, uh, what he's listening to nowadays. And, and we just wrapped it up with, with food. I mean, I, I, yeah, this was left field. Agony is a chef, apparently. I put it this way. <laughs> put it this way. Put it this way. I know you can beat Bobby Flay in a freestyle battle. But uh, if it came to beating him on on the chefing, like I, I would have to like really consider putting my money on you, right?
0: Let me tell you, man, sometimes I wonder if I go on one of those shows, I might be one of those surprise dudes walking in there with my with my 305 hat yeah. you know to the side and a and a heat jersey and, and surprise everybody.
1: And, and yeah, and I'll be sitting there like I knew it all along. Watching it on TV. <laughs> yeah. yeah, dope. Um My people, that's what it is, man. Bruise Beats and Eats the podcast. As always, I'd like to thank my guest, Agony, for taking the time, sitting down and talking it up with me. I'd like to thank you, the listener, for tuning in yet another week. If you enjoyed what you heard, tell a friend. If you didn't enjoy it, tell an enemy. Tell somebody. If they happen to ask, tell them it's on all streaming platforms. My people, do me a favor. Get over to YouTube, Bruise, Beats and Eats. Hit the subscribe. I got monthly video episodes starting off slow. I'm going to do one a month. Um, stay tuned. Subscribe. Get the notification in so that when the episode drops, you know what I'm saying, you'll be the first to know. At the same time, those episodes will also be found on your streaming platforms. Uh, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, I mentioned, uh, Outcast. I mean, Outcast. Outcast is a rap, Overcast. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Overcast, uh, Pocket Cast, a bunch of other ones. So um, yeah, man, do me a favor, stay tuned. And as always, um, Agony. Once again, thank you so much for, for doing this with me. And uh, it was such a pleasure. Um, and and man, bro, I, I we, we're gonna have to connect sometime, definitely face to face.
0: No, no, absolutely, man. And and thank you, yo. Know, like that, you meant you shouted out like Orion and people like yourself and H. We've spoken about. Like I really appreciate dudes like y'all that that still present a platform for people like me to still, you know, be somewhat relevant, you know, in this day and age with the type of things that we're doing and and what we're into. So, um, shout out to you and, and what you're doing. You're, you're, you're much appreciated, homie.
1: Thank you so much, man. Please continue to motivate. Like you said, somebody need to hear it. So y'all know what's up. Bruce Beats and Eats, the podcast.